You're listening to another great podcast in the Stoplight Network. Hi folks, and welcome to episode 4 of the Let's Talk Photography podcast. I'm your host, Bart Bouchotts. Before we dive into this month's topic, just a little quick aside. Um, a recommendation from a listener who also happens to be on today's panel was that we might consider asking the audience for questions. Um, so if you guys send us in questions, uh, whatever you send in, we'll, we'll use in some way probably. So I sort of have in my head that we might end up doing a show with 5 or 10 short, pithy questions or we might end up doing an entire show about one complex question. Um, you know, whatever comes in, we'll we'll use in whatever way we can. So to send us in your questions, if they're short, you can tweet them to at ltpod, or more realistically, you can email them to photo at lets-talk.ie. So without further ado, let's get stuck into this week's topic, and let's introduce the panel. So uh, welcome back, Antonio. Hi, Bart. How are you? I am doing just fine. And you are from the wonderful site Switch to Manual. Switch to Manual.com, yes. We, um, we teach people to use the manual settings on their cameras and going from automatic to manual. So we do photo walks and uh, photo classes in the New York City area. Sounds like such fun. I wish I lived closer. Well, we're waiting for you to come down so you get a free slot in our, in our classes. <laughs> well, I, I definitely <laughs> promise that if I cross the Atlantic, I will spend some time in, in the greater New York area because um, I've seen a lot of really cool stuff from there. You're going to see very cool stuff with us, places that you probably never heard about. So, Cool. But thanks for having me on the show today. Yeah, always a pleasure to have you. Also joining us from the opposite side of the United States of America, we have Mark Polly from Twin Lake Images back with us again. Welcome back, Mark. Thanks, Bart. Thanks for having me back. Always a, Always a lot of fun. I'm, I'm enjoying our conversations. Well, good, so am I. And uh, we have a new voice to add to the mix from um, a country very dear to my heart, since I'm a fellow Belgian. Um, all the way from uh, Belgium near Holland, we have Stefan Lesage. Welcome aboard, Stefan. Good evening, Bart, and thanks for the invite. I'm happy to be here. I'm delighted that you that you were able to join us. And uh, you are a podcaster, although not quite in English, but we'll give out the link anyway. Yeah, well, uh, we we do a Dutch uh, podcast every week about technology and gadgets and web, uh, and it's called Tech45, and you can find it at uh, tech45.be. That's BE for Belgium. Yes. So today's topic was actually, actually, I should say it was uh, Stefan who suggested the questions and answers thing. So thank you for that suggestion. You're welcome. Um, and today's topic is also a suggestion from one of our panelists. Um, Mark, you dropped me an email quite a few months back saying, I think we should talk about where we get our inspiration and how we get through slumps. And so that's today's topic. It is. And uh, when I when I was thinking about that, I, it's really two topics, but I, I think that they very much overlap. Uh, the idea of how do you get inspired uh, um, ideas to to uh get you going or uh ideas of kinds of shots or things that you might want to do but the other thing that i that happens uh with every photographer probably every artist every writer is getting into a slump when you when you just can't get out and shoot um or you or you just aren't motivated anymore and that's part of the idea of getting inspired to get out and, and get going again. So it's kind of the same topic, but could go a couple different directions. And uh, uh, I know that uh, I have found myself in slumps a number of times. I'm currently in a terrible slump. I haven't really gotten a chance to shoot or work on images and get them processed and get them shared. So uh, maybe some of the tips that uh, Antonio and you and Stefan can, can share will get me out shooting again too so but that's kind of the idea behind the topic what what gets us going what gets us inspired to shoot things and what gets us out of slumps so, so something that actually strikes me is that I, I think there's probably you know some photographers are like you know, every day they're doing something with photography and then there's some photographers who are probably more bursty um stefan something that strikes me is that your tw your flicker feed is Slow and steady, I know every day there is going to be some photos from you in there. Whereas me, I'm sort of a lot more bursty. Um, 
Antonio, how would you describe yourself? Well, like, since you do it for a living, I guess you don't have the choice, do you? <laughs> What's the word you call yourself? Bursty, you know? Like big bursts of energy. And, bursty, and oh, bursty, off. okay, yeah. No, oh, not boy. busty, bursty. Busty. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, um, I I shoot pretty much every day. Um, and even if I'm in a slump or not, I'm always taking my camera with me. I mean, you've seen my 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 Flickr feed too. It's like me and Stefan are trying to post stuff every every single day. Yeah. Um, I, it's just, I mean, it's in my nature. So I understand what Mark's saying about having those slumpy days and stuff like that, and uh, no bursts of energy. And I think sometimes that's okay. You know, like sometimes you you know you do need to give yourself a bit of a rest, and sometimes you just need to listen to your body and your mind. Um, I understand like Mark, you want to go out and shoot and you want to do this thing and yet, you know, you're, you're somehow stuck. Um, I'm thinking like the idea is like somehow to use that, you know, uh, do something else with the, you know, energy that you have or you don't have. Right. You, you mean as far as, uh, if I'm not going to get out shooting, maybe go do something else to stay creative. I mean, yeah, not, I mean even, not even photography. Related. Exactly. Not, not even forcing yourself to, to do that, to not even think about that because then you're going to force yourself to do something, which I think then you're going to, I think it's a cycle downwards. Like you start saying, well, I'm going to force myself to take pictures. Even if I'm in a slump and you start looking at the pictures and you say, Oh, they look not good or I don't want to process them. And then, and you sort of cycle downwards. I'm not saying that it's a, you know, a big downwards, but you just sort of, create this self-fulfilling prophecy that you're in a slump and you're not doing well. And I think the idea of doing something completely different uh, or just putting the camera down for a while is, is a very good thing to do sometimes. I mean, it's sort of the opposite of what we're talking about, you know, wanting to get out of a slump. But I, I look at it rather than looking at it as a bad thing and maybe looking at it as an opportunity um, to, to do something else. And it could still be photography related, you know, so I guess that's the show, Bart. The answer is... Uh, okay, that was it. Okay. Put, put okay. <laughs> we don't need to get out of our slum. <laughs> um, I, mean, well, I, I think that makes sense, though. I, I think it does make sense to... If you're... I think one of the things that causes people to be in a slump creatively is getting it, falling into a routine, uh, doing the same thing over and over again. I know that for me, shooting in the same place or being located where I am... I can get into a routine and then I'm just not motivated to get out and putting the camera down, doing something different for a little while, I think can get you back into the swing of things. So I think that's a, a good tip. Uh, Antonio is, is access to a camera important? Um, I mean, uh, Stefan, I get the impression that you must always have a camera on your person. Well, most of the time that's the the camera, which is on, on my smartphone. So, I've noticed myself that when I was car carrying my DSLR with me, uh, it was more of a, a, a core, a tour. I had to take pictures because I had my DSLR with me. And now I, most of the time I carry my, my smartphone. Hmm. And then when I see something, I, I try to take a picture and it, it's different. I, yeah, I'd have to. I'd have to second what Stefan just said. I mean, for me, it's a like you said, Bart. It's a job, and sometimes when I'm carrying around the DSLR, it's a it's a reminder of a job. And you know, if I put down the DSLR, even my my new Fuji X20, which is you know a nice cross between a smartphone and a DSLR, it still has that feeling of a camera. And the, the you know carrying around my iPhone with me, it's like. You know, if something inspires me or something doesn't, I've got it there with me all the time. So I can take the picture or not take the picture. But um, it, it really is a different mindset, I think, well, yeah. depending on the gear you carry. Yeah. It combines really well with, with, with doing something different because now when I go running, for example, and I see something which interests me, I'm not there with the intention to shoot, but I have my, my smartphone with me and I got tried to take a picture of it or I go cycling or I go do something completely different. But then you, you start to see things and then that's when you, you get uh, some more inspiration, I think. So if you always have a camera, then the possible opportunities for that spark are way higher than if you have to plan for it. Yeah, I think so. I think, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and just the idea that you have it in your pocket. I mean, mm. I, I walk around and I see something and I say, I, you know, I should take a picture of that. And, and like, I have got my camera with me and I don't have that feeling of like, oh, I don't have my camera with me. And then I can decide whether or not I want to take a picture of it or not. I mean, usually I default to taking the picture because I always think if you're going to spend some time thinking about something that you're going to take a picture of, take the picture. Yeah, you can always decide you know, afterwards. 
Yeah, but you know, it, it lives on my phone. And uh, as a side note, like I, I've made sort of a rule that anything I shoot on my phone, I process on my phone. I don't bring it into my computer to process. So everything is processed on my iOS devices if I shoot it on iOS. But it, it could live on my phone. I could look at it and say, well, you know, I don't really like that. I don't live with it. And I really didn't commit too much to making the picture. So having that, you know, I actually think an iPhone, the iPhone has changed the way I've dealt with photography. I don't think I've ever had to carry a camera with me every single day with me. And now I do. So it just leaves that option open. Yeah. I think I might be a little weird, but I actually, so whenever I go out cycling, right. So my source of exercise is to go out cycling and I have, I bought myself a cotton carrier, which is basically a harness that you stick over your head around your torso and you can stick a DSLR to it. And I will go out cycling and I will have my DSLR with my 18 to 250 Super Zoom strapped on. And nine times out of ten, I won't actually take a picture. But I know that if something happens, I can slam on the brakes, whip out the camera, and away I go. So maybe when I'm out cycling, I am one of the rare few people using a DSLR as if it was an iPhone. I would... Go ahead. Do it as well, but I'm afraid uh, of of breaking it when when falling, for example. I go running, <laughs> I, I, go run, I run in the road, and, and then you slip right, and you fall. So in in that uh, in that case, I think uh, your smartphone, the camera on your smartphone, is is easier to take with me and less risky. I'm not actually sure which would be the more expensive if I broke it. <laughs> True. Because I'm actually doing the math here because 64 gig iPhone is 900 euro to replace. And a 500 euro camera with a 400 euro lens is 900 euro to replace. So yeah, scarily yeah. enough, it would cost yeah, you the same. And if you just lose the camera, you lose the camera. If you lose your phone, you lose all the other stuff on it. So yeah, that's true. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Actually, my, yeah, my camera just has today's pictures on it, which I would be cranky about losing. Yeah, let's let's not. I got to see you with this rig. You have to put a picture of yourself. With I should this do thing. actually. Shouldn't I? I'm actually, really the video. What it looks like. There's, I'll stick it into the show notes, but there's a video on the Cotton website of a guy in a trampoline with the, with the DSLR strapped to him with, with, with the Cotton carrier, and it, it, it's solid. It's designed for mountain biking and stuff, so I am actually very, very, very confident that it is not going anywhere. Um, it's a really cool design, actually, because basically the camera will only come out of the mount if its lens is parallel to the ground. Uh, and, and at any other angle, it is rock solid in there. Oh, you talked about this before. I, I remember do- hearing... I remember hearing hearing you discuss it but i can't remember where i my, myself and allison talked about my two investments really for this summer were the 18 to 250 and this carrier and the reason being i could go mountain biking with no camera bag because the 18 right. to 250 will it's a macro 18 to 250 super zoom so it literally covers everything the thing will focus to about 30 centimeters which at 250 mil gives you a pretty good macro view and at 18 mil you get a good landscape lens out of it and then the the strap Everything on, one thing with me, no camera bag, and away I go. So I just want to bring it back to the topic for a second. I want yes, to ask sorry. Mark a question. No, it's okay. I just wanted to ask Mark a question. What, what, is sure. the, what is the slump? I mean, what is it that you want to do, and why do you find yourself in this slump? And I, I just want to get to the root of that a little bit because – What I mean know, by that? Resonate with it. Yeah. I mean, is there something you want to do? Is there something that you're not doing? Is it like you just want to go out with the camera? I mean, what is it that's not happening? Okay. Um Good question. Um, I guess there's there. I guess there's kind of two answers to that. Um, actually, now that I think about it, there's kind of three answers. Uh, when I uh, when I got really into photography, um, meaning you know really trying to seriously do a good job at it, um, I found it to be therapeutic in the sense that uh, I it particularly because I do a lot of landscape shooting, so I'll go out early uh, by myself, uh, very quiet, uh, really concentrating on what I'm looking at and what I'm doing. And it, and I find it to be therapeutic in the sense that I really focus in on that and then I can close out thinking about work or thinking about, you know, things that are going on elsewhere. Uh, I can really just do that. And and it, so it's very good for me. It's healthy for me. I think um, Zen and the Zen and, and the art of motorcycle maintenance. Right there we go. <laughs> There's like and a I, Zen. And, yeah. yeah, and then from that, uh, 
as I've gotten more serious in photography, of course, I'm, I'm doing a lot more uh, where I'm trying to produce things that I might be able to, uh, well, I guess, first of all, to share with people, to be able to actually share good photography and, and uh, improve my craft, but then from that to be able to print it, sell it at shows or exhibit it. So those are kind of the other two things, which is I feel like if I'm not producing art, I'm not reaching those goals. So when I, if I'm in a slump and, I, and I'm not out shooting, uh, then I'm not getting the therapeutic benefit and I'm not uh, producing the art that I you know, hope to share and sell um, at some point. So I feel like when I'm in this slump, I'm not achieving those goals. So I need to figure out a way to get back out and, and shoot and produce. So I... I that answer I think that answers yeah, the question. Yeah, it does. Yeah, I, I think that's what I why why you know why do you want to get back out? Why do you care that you're in a slump? Well, that's why I care. I, I, it's something I want to be able to keep doing. So it's, it's an interesting place to be when you're in, when you're in a slump and you've got this desire to do something and everything around you is saying ah, I don't want you to do it. <laughs> it's just not happening, or the you know the stars are not aligning. Um, well, and, and sort of fight that. And, and I'm sure that there's a lot of reasons uh, why you go through slumps. And I, I suppose if you could diagnose why you're in a slump, it'll help you diagnose a way out of the slump. But I know for me, you know, particularly right now, there's a couple different things going on. Uh, one of them is that, well, I shoot a lot of landscapes, but uh, because we're in the winter, number one, a lot of times the weather around here is terrible. So, it, you know, if it's out, if it's raining hard, e- even if... You could quote, you know, even if if you could get a good image, yeah, you, know, you don't want to go out standing in the rain. You don't want to expose your equipment to it, whatever. So, um, so it might be the weather keeps me from going out. Uh, it the weather also means that lots of gray skies and kind of ugly sur- surroundings. Um, it's also dark here a lot. <laughs> so, you know, it's it's dark when I get up. It's dark when I come home from work. So the amount of time that I have to shoot is very limited. And because it's very limited and I have a busy life, I'm, I end up filling the time that maybe I would be out shooting, you know, doing other, doing chores around the house or running errands or whatever. So those, a lot of that, cons- a lot of that is time-based and it conspires to put me into a slump because now I've found now the last three years or so, maybe it's not even fair to call it a slump because I just stopped shooting around this time of year just because it's really hard to get out and, and shoot anything good. Yeah, what I said before is that you should be in hibernation. We're we're in winter. It's I mean, Bart and Stefan. You you yeah. guys are even more north than us. I think you suffer from the light issues too. Yeah? Well, I maybe it's the Irish weather that does it, but I I tend to be if the sun shines, I will go out and shoot a whole load of pictures, and there is no earthly way I will get them processed for months, and that I think gets me through the Irish winter when I have. You know, hopefully I have time to go back and process everything from last summer. I mean, people watching my Flickr may be surprised to find that there's butterflies in January in Ireland. There isn't. It's just I'm now getting around to processing those photos. <laughs> I, I'm guessing you're a more instant processor, Mark. I very much am. And it's... Uh, I tend to go out and shoot and come back right away and, and look at them and try to come up with stuff. And I don't as often go back and uh, dig into the old, into the archives and reprocess. But I know that that might be a way to kind of get me kick-started too, is to dig back and see what might be sitting in the bin and work on something new. But I, I don't do a very good job of that. So Something I have been uh, doing uh, last year, and, and I will be trying it again this year, is have a look at my old pictures, my really old pictures from six or seven years ago and try to figure out how I could improve on that. So I'm looking back at my library and then scanning through the very old pictures. And then I think, uh, yeah, maybe I can try to do something better. Now I've learned a lot of things meanwhile, so I can improve on that. Maybe that's also an idea to get some, some, uh, something going. And Stefan, are you talking about reprocessing old pictures no, no, or maybe just, even looking at pictures and saying, maybe I can go back to that location yeah, and shoot something differently? Yeah, going back to that location and, and try a different angle, try a different lens, try something different. Try to make the, the, the picture a lot better than six years ago. 
not by reprocessing it, but, but by going back and taking another shot. That's a good idea. I should do that as well. I think I, certainly I think my my style and skill has changed a lot in the last few years. Maybe I can go back and look at some things that I did before and and uh, revisit locations or or whatever. Mm-hmm. That'd be a good idea. Yeah, nothing wrong with that because it's every time you revisit a place, you're seeing it slightly differently than before. So you're looking at it through your eyes. The, the light is slightly different. The textures are slightly different. You know, so. I think about like going back to the same place is a great idea. I just shot um, – I do a lot of street shooting and there's a big mural uh, a few blocks away and it's a giant American flag with a snake on it. And it says, don't tread on me. And I tend to capture people walking in front of it as they're coming home from the subway. And I took one shot and I got a lot of you know a lot of positive feedback on it. And just last weekend, I was walking by there and I went, God, it looks really nice again. And so I st- stood there. Took the kind of the same shot with a different person walking in front of it, and it was, and it's and it's garnered different reactions. So I noticed that taking the even taking the same subject several times, um, you know, don't ever think that you know you've taken this once and you're done. You know, mm. you, you know the subject is never is really never exhausted. So because yeah, like like there's one particular place that I'm really fond of, which is like a lake and a pretty boathouse and a curving path and two trees to frame it. It's like it's almost like a painting, and only it's real. And you would think that you go there once, you wait for the right light, you take the photo and you have the shot. But if you go there and it's a clear blue sky, it can feel very tranquil, very peaceful. I've been there on days when there were storms in the area and you have the sort of the storm light with a dark, angry sky, but the thing is still sunlit and it suddenly has this great sense of drama instead of it being all quiet and peaceful. And you might go back in snow or in autumn when the whole thing is red instead of green and it just looks so spectacularly different that uh, what I'm actually working on, I'm trying at the moment to get, a re- you know, one shot that captures the feeling of spring, one the summer, one of winter and one of autumn and then stick them into a, a four by four or a two by two collage. Um, so that kind of forces me to get out when the weather's rubbish, too, because I have a few of these on the go where I'm waiting to get my perfect winter shot. That lead leads me to also think about the sort of the other thing that led me to when I emailed you. Uh, talking about inspiration it's not so much the slump but you talk about uh, uh, shooting in a favorite location and and uh, I uh, using the twinlakesimages.com is my website and Twin Lakes is uh, a location in eastern Washington where we have property and we spend a lot of time in the summer and spring and so forth and it really is uh, what sort of generated a lot of my interest in shooting the downside is that we go but go there all the time <laughs> and and uh and I do a lot of shooting in the same locations of the same thing of the same lake of the same trees and um have caught myself on occasion you know standing in exactly this because there's just certain vistas or certain places where I can walk to or whatever find myself in the same location and I think to myself well I've shot this before how can I you know what am i doing i'm wasting my time i've been to this spot so how do i get inspired and and you know changing angles or using a different lens or different weather or whatever yeah go ahead mark sorry um but when you say that to yourself is it because you want to show the pictures of someone else or you're there for your for yourself because like part of that voice that you're bringing in almost sounds like well i can't show this picture again to somebody else because i've already done it before so you said before earlier that the photography was sort of like therapeutic. So even if you went there and you stood in the same spot and shot the same picture, is it is it do you find it disappointing? Is it you want to do something different for showing somebody else? You just want to do something different for yourself? I mean, it's just an interesting thing to think about because so what? You go to the same spot, you take the same shot, maybe you never show that because you've done the same picture before, but you've you've done it for yourself. You know what I mean? Or am I kind of being sort of wishy-washy here? No. And and you're actually – I'm feeling like I'm going to owe you money as a therapist at the end of this episode <laughs> because uh, you, you bring up a really good point that I haven't uh, – you bring up a really good point that I haven't addressed for myself. I think you're right. I think part of the problem is that if I'm – that uh, maybe I give too much weight – to sharing the picture and what other people are going to think. And I do think to myself, well, I've already shot this. I can't shoot it again and share it because I already have. It's going to be the same picture. And you're right. Probably 
the other voice that I should be hearing is uh, go ahead and shoot anyway because you're you know you're doing it for your own enjoyment. You're uh, and and you know certainly I am learning. I'm growing. So maybe the image is going to be different. Maybe it's well, it most certainly is going to be different. Um, but you know, uh, trying different techniques or whatever. I may not yeah. end up sharing. It may end up looking exactly the same, and I may say, you know what, I'm not going to post this one because it's the same as the one I took last year from this location. But on the other hand, shouldn't my goal be getting out there and shooting and enjoying my time and getting that therapeutic benefit, whether or not I actually end up with something that I'm going to process and share and print or whatever? Um, I shouldn't, that shouldn't be the only goal. Uh, right, maybe that's, and maybe that's what's putting me into a into a rut too. There is, well, is yeah, having the, I, have, not having all the goals ahead of me. I think that Go ahead, I'm sorry. I agree with you, and and I think we've gotten to, into this. I don't want to say a rut, but routine. Right, like I've got it. I'm surprised that you process the pictures so fast, and I've decided. I'm not surprised. I'm just saying I know people process the pictures fast and I've started to get into this routine of like letting them sit for a little while. I mean unless it's a job and I have to do it immediately. But um, I, I have this new Fuji X20 camera and the way I shoot with it is this if, if if I had film in it. Like, you know, I take a few pictures today. I take a few pictures tomorrow. The chip sits in there for a while and I end up processing pictures from, you know, like a month later. And this idea that, you know, we are not – taking the time like we have to feed this social sharing thing and it and as you as you're describing it i'm starting to think wow it sounds like a job it sounds like one can go out there and say well i gotta you know process pictures and and share them tonight because i gotta do it and and it becomes a job and maybe sometimes we want to resist doing that and just not you know not admit it to ourselves but like i don't want to i don't want to take a picture today or i don't want to process today i want to you know you know do whatever i want i don't want to share things today well, a couple of things strike me there from that conversation. Um, I'd say, if not 95%, at least 90% of the photos I take are within a very, very small area within cycling distance of my house. And I keep on thinking that I'm going to run out of things to shoot in this small area. And I keep on being absolutely surprised that I don't. And that I always seem to find the new way of looking at what I've been, what I've seen a thousand times. In fact... The, easily the majority of my photographs are taken on a very thin ribbon that is the Royal Canal. And that sounds like it shouldn't have a lot in it. And yet, you could stand, you could put your tripod holes in exactly the same place and take such a different shot, depending on the time of day, the time of year, the weather. And also, if you bring different lenses, if you, bring a, if you start shooting macro in a landscape that's a few miles across, suddenly it becomes effectively a few million miles across because there's so much going on there at the smaller scale. And I think you also develop and you get better at it. And so when you look back at your old photos, you'll realize that you really hadn't captured the essence, but now you're getting better at it. And then five years from now, I'll probably look back at what I shot this week and say, yeah, that wasn't great. Yeah, Bart, you're getting to uh, a point that I wanted to make about um, like this getting out of a slump. You, you, you're you concentrating all your work in one area. I'm thinking like, when are we going to see the book? Like <laughs> you're going to have, you're going to have a, a, a selection of work that, you know, I'm going to say you ought to make a book of, but you've got the material. If you've been shooting that long in one place, you've got the material for a book. And there's a project. Like, you know, how do you get yourself out of a slump? You create a project. You know, I actually have been mentally thinking of a few possible books. And the one thing I keep coming to is I need to read up on Irish law because some of the places I frequent are in private ownership, even though they're accessible to the public. And I need to figure out legally if I can use those images. If it's anything like American law, if it's not... You know, if it's inside a book, you're probably okay. If it's using it for the cover to advertise selling the book, you need those are different things. But that's what it's like in the United States. Often, the stuff that's inside, you know, um, you can you can use most of the time. But yeah, check your laws. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sure. So, no, that's actually even, in the back of my head. But even even making a book for yourself, I mean, you know, so what? You make your own portfolio. You know, it's. I mean, anyway, it's this idea of like focusing on. I mean, Mark saying he 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 frequents the same place all the time. I mean, nobody else is doing that. And and what a project! You know, you're getting yourself out of slump. Decide that uh, turn this around and say, well, I go back to the same place 
you know, every weekend, I'm going to create a project about shooting everything I can in one place. Oh, sorry, I'm going to jump. There's a guy who did a book. I don't know, Mark, if you heard about this in the United States, he wrote a whole book about one square meter of forest. He just focused on one square meter of forest for for like a year or two. And he wrote about everything that happened in that little square meter of forest. I'm not familiar with it. I can't remember the exact, you know, I might be getting the, the amount of space wrong, but it's essentially like that. I mean, and he was doing it from a scientific point of view about what's going on in there. And I can't imagine photographing everything in a square meter. <laughs> it's it a little too constrained. <laughs> it's, but it is. But this idea of constraining yourself to, to focus on something like, tr- again, turn this thing around, turn this challenge around. Like uh, you go to one spot you say, I'm only going to photograph what's, you know, in this area in one spot and see what happens. And you don't, you know, you may say, I don't want to do this. And you may find that that constraint actually inspires you to do something. Um, so I'm just this idea of turning this around, turning the slump, uh, and this idea of being in the same place day after day, um, turning it around and moving in a different direction. Something which I'm actually kind of surprised we haven't said yet, because I was sort of mentally thinking, I could be really facetious and say this entire topic can be summed up in one sentence. Shoot what you love. Um, but there's, yeah, there's obviously a lot more to it than that. Um, it, one of the luxuries of being an amateur is that you get to shoot what you want instead of what you have to. Yes. Um, and I, I think a lot of it is about finding your muse, and then that will sort of take care of a lot of it for you. You know, for me, obviously, trains are a big thing and and railways in general. And that sort of keeps me going because there's something happening. I want to catch it and I want to share. It's about wanting to share, I think. So I guess you need find something that you want to share and then have at it. That may be too simplistic. No, I think that, that I think. Oh, go ahead, Stefan. I'll let you go. No, no, no. Go ahead. I, I think that's uh, definitely the case. I mean, the uh, the uh, for me it's shooting landscapes because I love getting out. I love seeing the environment and where we're at, and and just the beauty and and the peacefulness. So it's a combination of visually things I love, but also just getting out and doing it. So for me, that's kind of part of why I've gravitated to shooting what I shoot is because of the whole experience and an environment of of that practice of being out and on my out alone in the quiet that kind of thing so it's sort of a combination but it's shooting what i love it's uh and that's part of you know shooting the the lakes and that too is getting up early while everybody's still asleep and just out enjoying the quiet and and the beauty of the of the lake oh, i'm gonna oh sorry go ahead Stefan. go ahead bart I was going to say, Stefan was going to jump in there, I think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, something I have discovered uh, earlier this week, and which which might be interesting, is is uh, if you go back to that place, try to shoot, uh, try to tell a story in five pictures. And I found a, a group uh, by accident on on Flickr about this, and there are some really nice things in there. They go back, they try to tell a story in a set of five pictures, which might be might give you some some inspiration as well. I suppose the other thing, perhaps somewhat of an elephant's room, is you have these various sort of common projects like 356 and that kind of thing where you you sort of decide at the start of the year to force yourself to, to, to take and publish one photo every single day for the year. Is there value in that? Um, I, I, sorry, okay, go yeah. ahead, Mark. No, oh, I, I was okay. just going to say there definitely is for me. I, I've done two different things that sort of fit that. Uh, a couple of years ago, I did a Project 52, which is a little less ambitious than the Project <laughs> 365. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's one shot a week. Uh, and, it, and it was on Google Plus. And uh, every week, they, there would there'd be a particular theme. And then, and then you'd post by the end of the week. And I also did, or before that, I did a thing called Daily Shoot. And that was more sort of an Instagram sort of related thing, which was... Uh, they would tweet out each morning. They would tweet out what that day's daily shoot assignment was, and then dur- sometime during the day, you'd you'd meet that assignment and post it on Instagram. Both of those 
projects I found to be really useful to um, get me out shooting because I had that assignment. I knew that I needed to shoot something. The fact that it was a different topic every week or every day was also useful because it prevented me from getting in too much of a – the only rut was you need to, you have that assignment. You have to get a shot done. But it was always something different, you know, black and white or lines or – mirrors or you know whatever it was so you you didn't get in too much of a routine as far as subject matter so uh, and and oftentimes it would stretch you because it was you'd have to shoot something that maybe was outside your comfort zone but you had a purpose you had an assignment to get done so i found both of those assignments to be really useful to improve my shooting keep me motivated keep me shooting shoot things that i hadn't shot before go ahead yeah, uh, yeah I, go, I go back and forth with these things. Um, the idea of the weekly thing actually sounds interesting. The, th- the, the daily thing, the picture a day, uh, I have turned off of because this idea of forcing myself to try to pick a single picture in a day that's actually worth showing. Um, I mean I can take a picture a day, but I'm not thinking that every single picture I take every day is worth looking at. And so – because I want to do a lot more self-editing and I'd like to show pictures that it really means something, or at least mean something more than I would put on Facebook to show my friends and my cats and my dinner and whatever. Um, the idea of doing something every day that I like force myself to say, well, I have to be creative today and create something that's worth watching. I just don't, I don't know. It doesn't feel good for me, at least today. The weekly thing, I probably could do a weekly thing. I haven't done that in a while, but I found that that might be a little bit more time to investigate the kind of picture I'd like to, to shoot. Even if it was for an assignment, it would give me some more time to explore something. But the, the daily thing doesn't, I don't know, it doesn't grab me anymore. Um, and, and because my day is flooded with pictures, I mean, I'm seeing pictures from everything, everywhere, not just because of what I'm working on, but like, you know, I look at my Twitter feed or I look at my Facebook feed and everybody's posting pictures. And it's like almost an oversaturation of, of imagery. So sometimes I just, I don't always want to, add to that at least not not um i'm not saying it's not something that everybody should do it's just not you know the daily thing is just not my ball of wax but i like the idea of you know having to do an assignment that, that and having to answer outside of yourself i i whether it's a weekly thing or a monthly thing or if it's a as stefan said the shooting the five pictures uh to tell a story i i'm all for that kind of thing so the that's five, my two the, the five picture thing is actually very intriguing um I really like the sound of that. Um, what sort of strikes me is I, I'm always wary of these, you know, you have to shoot X in Y sort of things is because my my natural tendency is to stumble on an idea, commit myself 110% to getting that nailed, and then just moving on to something completely different sort of at my own pace. So, I'll, you know, I get the notion of, ooh, I want a panning shot. And then I'll do it and it won't be, I won't be happy and I'll do it again and I won't be happy. And for a week I'll do nothing but panning shots and then I'll be fed up of it. <laughs> or, or, you know, like this summer the thing that really bit me was the International Space Station and the Iridium flares, which are satellites in the sky. And I spent like my whole summer trying to find times and places and Irish weather where I could get something interesting in the sky, something interesting on the ground and, you know, get get a shot there. And that was just my thing for the summer and that just had me completely, you know, I was just taking up my my brain. And, you know, that's done now and at, at the moment I'm actually just focusing on catching up on all the editing from last year. But, you know, something else will happen. Like, I, I have a funny feeling that I've always wanted a good shot of snowdrops and I've never quite been happy, so I have a feeling in a week or two when they come up, that's what I'll be doing. And you know, I think Bart, though that part of this is, and it, it, I'm probably going to oversimplify it, but I think part of it too is uh, a little bit depends on where you're coming from. Uh, I found for myself uh, the the daily project uh, that was sort of an instant, like I say, it was done on Instagram. Um, I haven't I haven't done it for. Two and a half or three years or something. At the time, though, I found it to it was I was much earlier in my shooting and my learning curve, and found it to be really useful because it was I was getting out and shooting something every day, shooting something different every day. Uh, but now that I've 
you know, now that I've progressed along and, and hearing Antonio speak, who, you know, who's a professional photographer who's been shooting for many, many years, uh, he, where he's saying, you know, I just don't find the interest in that. I don't want to do that. And, and I think that that makes sense that maybe as we've, as we get on, we, we don't find that quite as useful. Um, and and you're talking about it. What's interesting is you're saying, oh, I I don't think that I would find that interesting, but I might want to do this project or this thing. And I I guess the topic that we're talking about, instead of saying, well, do a 365 project, it, I think really the theme is mini projects. Give yourself mini projects, and that'll help you. So if you if you need if if you aren't you know on your own, maybe go outside and look at these daily shoots where the where the assignment is given to you and you you do what somebody else tells you but you might be self-motivated like you are uh go shoot the snowflakes or go shoot the space station but the theme is sort of the same which is create for yourself a mini project Hmm. um and focus on that and that and focus some time and effort on that and and that'll uh that gets you inspired to do to do something and or get you out of a slump actually something just occurred to me that that I I actually found when I was starting to think that I sort of I think it was the first time where I was starting to think of well I've been shooting in Maynooth for a year now I've obviously seen everything which was obviously very foolish of me and I've learned better since but at the, at the time I was thinking like that and what jolted me out of that was spending a day with another photographer with another two photographers as it happens and they were standing like within a foot of me and when we came home and we looked at our memory cards theirs looked nothing like mine and, you know, I, then I started to realize that if I go to Flickr and I stick on the maps view and I go and explore around, I can see what other people are doing with exactly the same raw input as me. And I never cease to be amazed at how different other people's pictures of exactly the same things are to mine. And I often get actually, you can get inspired that way because it can sort of trigger you into a new way of thinking. So maybe if you're always in the same place, maybe it's worth looking at what other people have done in your exact location to see if that sparks something. Yeah, I was about to I was about to throw that in because that's sort of the elephant in the room too about inspiration and looking at other people's work. And you know, I've had that experience too and done photo walks in the city and see what other uh students and photographers have shot right next to me along the same path that I've taken, you know, a dozen times every time we take the same photo walk and the same route and to see what other people have done. Um and it's like, well, you know, you're getting sort of an insight into their brain too. It's like mm-hmm. what are, you know, what do they see that I didn't see? And they're thinking the same thing of you. So using, you know, using these resources that we have, I mean, you know, Mark, you find yourself like cooped up in the house and you've got the whole world at your fingertips, you know, and seeking out other imagery to, even if it's just unrelated to what you do, like looking at imagery is, I mean, for me, it's such a way to inspire what I want to do. And I think looking at someone else's work, and I, you know, there's a fine line here about copying pictures, you know, and whatnot. But I think using someone else's work to inspire you, you know, and to be able to recognize if you're going to do something like I want to go shoot this bridge and this guy shot this bridge in this way. And maybe you want to go and do the same thing. You know, you, you don't want to copy someone's work, but being inspired by what other people have photographed um, or even, you know, paintings or st- sculptures or anything. Um, you want to keep your eyes open for that. So. I really like this idea of you know going out with other photographers and looking and seeing what they've done. Um, it's, a, it's a great way to inspire me. Uh, and I guess well, what I, oh, I, I sort sort of spinning from that. Uh, I know that getting involved in groups on Flickr communities uh, or on Google Plus is all. It has been good for me to see what other people do, uh, whether it's in my area or the type of photography that I do, going on photo walks in areas uh, to see what other people are shooting and what ideas they have, all of those things. Getting in a community, talking to other photographers has been, uh, for me, probably the biggest boost to my inspiration, uh, encourage me to try things that maybe I wouldn't have tried uh, you know, doing street shooting when really that's not something that I was really comfortable doing, but that seems like where the photo walks end up a lot of times. So finding other people, whether it's online or in person, uh, 
is a great way to expand and, and get inspired, for me anyway. So, I, yeah, I'm just thinking now, there's a couple of ideas rattling around. I'm wondering where, we, where this conversation would go next to be the most used to people. Um, like a practical, <clears throat> what are we going to yeah. do to get you out of your, out of your mood, yeah, as it were? Yeah. I mean, something, I'd, uh, something I found is that, I mean, I think we've already hinted at it. I think, so, you know, sort of artificial constraints, but it doesn't have to be on, the constraint doesn't have to be on subject or on style. It can be something as simple as, I am going to use this wide angle lens today to see what I can do with it. And I, I sort of picked that example, not arbitrarily, because... Last summer, I, I bought a wide-angle lens to do my astronomy work because I couldn't fit the skyscapes I wanted into my field of view. And I bought the lens, and it wasn't cheap by my standards. And I said to myself, well, if I only use this lens at night, I'm probably wasting my money. And I stuck it on, and I jumped on the bike, and I went, this is my only lens for the day. And I ended up with shots of places I'd been a million times that looked nothing like anything I'd ever shot before. And it just really opened my my eyes to how a hardware constraint can force you to notice what you hadn't noticed before, which is that there are these whole different compositions available. I really like that idea of, of the, the lens or like, I'm going to shoot just black and white today. Like I'm only going to, I'm going to for, for force myself to shoot in a square format. Um, I mean, all those things, uh, the, the constraining yourself to something uh, and seeing what happens. I mean, it could be totally frustrating, but, you know, if you find something frustrating, that doesn't mean to give up. Frustration is not the, a ticket for you to say, well, I'm throwing my hands in the air. Um, use the, the energy from frustration to, to, to create. I mean, that's what frustration can do for you. So um, I do like that idea. I mean, Mark, you just got that wide angle lens and, and, uh, I want to say you've been constraining yourself to it, but you've been creating a lot of stuff with that lens. That what is it? Well, a ten to twenty four? A twelve to twenty four? It's a ten twenty Sigma ten twenty. It's actually the same lens that uh, that Bart got, yeah. and I <laughs> I got it this summer, and um, I I'm really enjoying it because uh, I'm going to locations that I've shot now many many times or close locations, and uh, I put that lens on instead of the other lenses and, and I'm just getting all kinds of new shots and new perspectives. Um, I'm, I'm mentioned at the beginning that I'm in a giant slump myself. And uh, contrary to uh, – good thing I didn't listen to Antonio's advice. Antonio's advice when we started was uh, put the camera down. <laughs> and I, I decided yeah. I, put, I put the camera down way too long and I forced myself to go out and shoot. I, I said to my wife, I'm, I'm going to go out for a couple hours and shoot. I don't know what I'm going to shoot. I probably won't get anything good, but I just need to go out and push the shutter. So uh, on Sunday I was out. Uh, drove to the, the uh, river that's nearby and some fields that are nearby. It's five minute drive from my house. It's a something, an area that I've shot over and over and over again because it's so close. Uh, but I, I just said to myself, I'm going to shoot, but I, I shot with my wide angle lens and, uh, um, something that I, sh I posted this picture, both of uh, Antonio and, and Bart, you both had, uh, mentioned so you had commented on it and i've uh, shared it out to you i don't know if you want to put it in the notes but oh, definitely there's a, there's a tree in a field uh, that's a pasture that and i've shot this tree now many times and the reason is because it's it's just an interesting looking tree it's real isolated right out in the middle of a field so it's not in a, you know it's all by itself and this time I decided uh, to shoot it with a wide-angle lens. I've never shot it that way. Got in real close. Uh, had in my mind I was going to process it black and white and um, got home and did that. And I'm really happy with the result. Um, and I've posted it and shared it out and got some nice comments on it. The point's not that I produced a good picture. The point is that um, I went to a place, I went to a subject that I've shot many times um, knowing that, yeah, maybe I won't come within, come away with anything new or different or anything worth sharing. 
but at least I'll try something different and I'll get out and and uh, push the shutter button and and I did that and I'm you know I'm happy I produce something that's different from anything else that I've done and uh, something that's pleasing to me um, so well, if just you, getting out and doing it was good for me. Well, well you're, that picture is actually a good example to pick because. Th- I've actually found that image to be quite inspiring because I would, I have to, you know, it gets hammered into you. You don't compose things with the subject in the center. Only what you did there was put the tree smack dab in the middle and make a beautiful symmetric image. And it was immensely eye catching. I'd never have thought to compose like that until I saw your picture. Now it has my mind thinking, I wonder, can I use a similar technique on some stuff around here? So I find that looking at that photo of yours has now inspired me to go out and try a few things. So maybe looking at pictures is a good way to get inspired. Well, and and probably yeah, subjectively, I'm, no, I'm going to, Antonio, I'm going to toss this to you because probably subjectively uh, something that you did inspired me on this one. You did a picture of a tree with really interesting roots. I think that was in the cemetery that you've been shooting. Um and I'm hopefully you remember the shot I'm talking about and maybe yeah, you can reference yeah, it. But yeah. but that picture has really stuck with me and I've tried in a couple of different times uh when I was out in forests and, and some different places shooting some images based upon the picture that you shot that kind of sticks with me and I realized that the image we're talking about here, my the tree that I shot is very different from what you did, but I certainly kind of in the back of my head that your image was one that uh I was thinking about when I shot this one. Well, well, thank you, Mark. I, I really appreciate that. I just realized like you sort of flipped it upside down because I have the roots in the bottom and yours sort of looks like the roots from the top going <laughs> right. into the sky, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Bart, I'm going to, I'm going to argue with you a little bit about oh, the centering of the picture. Um, you know, I, I think that kind of framing can work depending on your subject. Again, everything is, Everything is context, so mm-hmm. I think what Mark's what Mark picked up on what there was a very there was a very symmetrical thing going on in his image, and with the shadow and light at the bottom, as I as I'm looking at the picture, uh, the symmetry helps the shot. And I don't think the shot <clears throat> excuse me I don't think the shot would have worked any other way but but center. Yeah, um, it's also very tightly cropped, so it's not something in the middle and then a load of nothing around it. It's almost like a a semicircle. That's sort of touching the top on the two sides of the frame with a symmetric landscape behind it. Yeah, yeah. It's a, actually, I'm going to say publicly, it's it's a favorite picture of mine. I mean, I haven't seen something really so good in a little while, so it's up there. Um, I really enjoyed looking at that shot. And I first saw it, I thought it was in, I thought it was in a different country. It just looked like something they might have taken on the plains of Africa or something like that. But uh, so I'm looking at that. So going back to the subjects, <clears throat> I'm looking at that picture, and it's inspiring me. And there's a there's I can see now Mark and I are getting into a feedback loop. <laughs> That's <laughs> good, right? This, That's yeah, right. <laughs> this idea that one photographer is inspiring another photographer. Um, so again, though, this goes back to this idea of like you know I think as an exercise, it's great to look at other people's pictures and and you know I don't have any sense that Mark was copying me. It's not I'm not even making that an issue. But I am pointing out to our audience that, you know, great to look at a shot and and inspire you and, you know, see if you could do it. But but copying the picture, you know, you want to draw that line. You want to be you want to pull something from the picture. He's like, what is it that that I get from this image and use that as the as the inspiration. And if it takes you a few shots to like say, well, you know, I'm going to do this in the same way. And you say, okay, well, I got that sort of out of my system. And then like, what do I go? Where do I bring my voice into the picture? And and the way Mark is describing his picture, it's like, you know, he, he brought his voice, a picture of mine inspired him, which I'm always kind of surprised at when someone is inspired by one of my pictures. I don't know why, but I really appreciate that. And then, and he does his own thing to it. And, and of course now I'm drawn to it, you know? And so it'll be in the back of my mind the next time I take a a shot of a tree, you know? Well, and I, and I think that what I want to say on this, so the, to the picture of Antonio's that I was referring to is a tree with roots that go down. But what was really interesting for me and what kind of stuck with me was he did it, he processed it black and white and the tones and things really were very interesting to me. It, it really highlighted that image, gave a lot of emotion to it. So that's, that's kind of the thing, the inspiration that's kind of carried with me. But Bart's point about uh, 
the trunk essentially being dead center, I, I think that a lot of that was very conscious. Some of it was probably subconscious, but I mean, I, I really was wanting to get in close with the wide angle lens, have the limbs of the tree go out to the edge and not, and not have any dead space. I wanted, I wanted the limbs to completely go out of the edge of the frame, which I did, but the really, but I, looking at it, I realized that I had a, a pretty straight horizon that was pretty flat, pretty much the same all the way across. So I wanted to line that up in a location. So that symmetry uh, of the empty space below, the horizon cutting where it was, the limbs all going out the edge just above the horizon, it was very conscious, but it, uh, I, I intended for that to be centered like that. So it was the thought that I had when I was shooting it. That's what I was aiming for. But kind of getting back to the idea of inspiration and, and breaking the breaking a, a, a lull, I mean, just getting myself out, going to a subject that I've shot a number of times, but doing it a little bit differently and being really conscious about what I was trying to produce. You know, I could have come home and, and had something that wasn't great. And believe me, I have probably, I probably shot this, a dozen or 20 times and I came away with one that really worked the way I wanted it to but it was just the process just doing it was uh, good for me maybe it's worth uh, trying to to do something completely different as well I know I know I've been used to uh, taking landscape shots and uh, at a certain point in time I went to a um, a cyclocross race which is a fast paced action and tried to shoot there and and I really enjoyed that because it was something completely different. I had to handle my camera, my settings completely different than than with the landscape. And and just doing something completely different, shooting something completely different might give some inspiration as well. Oh, yeah, I have to. I definitely agree with that stuff on. I mean, I shoot, I'm, you know, street shooter. I do, you know, New York City sort of landscape, stuff like that. But Last year, I did this uh, event. There was an event for Coney Island to try to raise money uh, after Hurricane Sandy. And I was one of the photographers to shoot it, set up a photo booth. And I'm taking pictures of all these performers and like burlesque outfits and set up a studio thing. And it's not the work that I do every day. But afterwards, I had so much energy after seeing the results of those pictures. I mean, I, I, I did a good job. And it was a lot of fun and it was just not what I do. You, if you look at my Flickr stream, you'll see these pictures. They're like out of the blue ovals and you see these performers doing these crazy things. And I like – talk about a therapy session, you know? Doing something completely different, um, I, I just couldn't – I couldn't I, – that energy stayed with me for like a month. So Yeah. I, I just booked uh, new tickets for the same uh, cyclocross event again this year just to go there and, and shoot again because it was – I really enjoyed that. It was something completely different than than what I was used to do, and, and I got a few shots, nice shots out of it as well. I, we're coming up to the end of our hour, so I'm going to round this out, but something that just occurs to me that I think definitely should be said is, in my opinion, one of the biggest secrets to to, to sort of staying out of these slumps is not to be afraid to fail. If you go out there and you shoot 100 shots and you don't like any of them and you don't share any of them, don't feel bad. Go and do it again tomorrow. And the chances are high that you will actually get something you like. I don't know. I, I think maybe yeah. if you're afraid to fail, you won't actually try. Well, that's what I was sort of, we were talking about near the beginning about this idea of using the slump, you know, as part of the process. Like, don't sort of feel that it's a bad thing. You know, it's, we all go through this stuff. Um, and there is always tomorrow. Uh, to do it, I did want to mention something, if I can. Mm, yes. uh, a book. Uh, this is, I'm going to say it's out of left field, but um, a book by this author named Stephen Pressfield. If you're really in a slump and you're really resisting the work that you want to do, uh, Stephen Pressfield, S T P S T E P H E N Pressfield. He wrote the. He writes historical novels a lot, and the the story of Bagger Vance. He wrote that. But he wrote this book called The War of Art and it is done in sort of little maxims in the way the art of war is done Uh, and it is a really inspiring book. He's writing it from the point of view of a writer 
but I've used it to, to really inspire me in terms of getting out of a slump. And I had a big slump in photography. And I read that book. I carry it with me all the time. And I use it as not a Bible, but when I get into these moods, Mark, like when I'm just stuck and I can't do anything, I pick that up. And there's something in that book that just, you know, gets me fired up. So I wanted to mention that because it, it was it's a real – you know, sort of an outside the system thing. It doesn't have anything to do with cameras and looking at pictures. It just has something to do with reading something that's inspiring from someone who's in the arts. Um, so I want to recommend that book. It's The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield. Cool. Excellent. Well, yeah. I'll, I'll stick a link to that on the show notes, actually, um, as, as well as the various pictures. So just to say to people, actually, that so the pictures we've talked about, the links we've talked about, they're all going to be in the show notes over at lets-talk.ie, which is the main site for the podcast. Um, anyone else want to throw in some final words of wisdom before we wrap up? I, I, I'm just kind of pile on what you said, Bart, because that was my all. I wrote myself a note when we started this conversation, and and that was my thought as well, which was, uh, don't be afraid to fail. If 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 you're in a slump, that means you're you're not producing work anyway, right? Yeah. So so that's probably the best time, I think, maybe to try something really outside your comfort zone, a new piece of equipment, a new type of processing, something you've never done. Because if you do that and you quote unquote fail in the sense that, you know, you don't produce a result that you want to share or anything you want to keep, what did you lose? You didn't lose anything. You weren't producing anyway, right? You you weren't using your time productively producing anything. So why not use that time to take a risk, um, do something different, do something new, because, you know, if, if you don't, if you're not completely successful in that endeavor, you didn't lose anything. So, uh, j- don't be afraid to fail, um, b- because you're using your time productively. Sounds good. I'd like to, I'd like to add also, uh, back to, Looking at pictures, looking at imagery, um, you know, it's one thing to have to produce stuff yourself and show it to people. And if you're doing it for a job, you, you need to sort of be creative on call. It's probably, probably kind of the definition of a professional who can like, mm. you know, cre- be creative on call. We, we can't all do that. But, you know, the downtime, the wintertime, you're cooped up, you're, 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 you're hibernating. Um, I've used the, the time to start looking at other people's work. Uh, I find myself loving to go to a museum. Not everybody's very close to, you know, big museums, but, uh, I happen to be lucky and I have the Metropolitan Museum of Art, um, within travel distance. And I go there and I look at, sometimes I look at the same paintings over and over again or the sculptures. So I look at some of the same things. So I find that removing myself from photography can help me get back into photography. And I don't know if it's just I don't. Know, I always like to know how things work. So for me, a lot of the history photography stuff always inspires me. You know, that, so, without a doubt, I mean, reading up about the you know photography history and seeing the books, and even even seeking out some of the documentaries of uh, famous photographers, I think is a worthwhile spending of your time. Um, the documentaries tend to be good because then you hear sometimes you can hear what the photographer has in mind. But uh, yeah. I find that very inspirational. Okay, we should probably round things out. So, reminder again, if you'd like to send us in questions, you can email them to photo at lets-talk.ie or tweet us at ltpod. As I said before, the show notes will be at www.lets-talk.ie. Um, so, thank you very much to the panel. We go out in reverse order. So, Stefan, you are from tech45.be. Do I remember that right? Yeah, that's right. It's our uh, weekly uh, tech, web, and gadgets podcast, but it's it's in Dutch. So if you speak Dutch, feel free to join us. You can always listen along anyway. If you ever wondered what single Dutch sounded like, not double Dutch, then... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> True. Um, I'll also be sticking your Twitter and your Flickr into the show notes for people so they can have a look at okay. your work. Fine. Uh, Mark, still Twin Lakes Images? I'm TwinLakesImages.com is my webpage for my photography. I try to post there as much as I can. I blog out uh, my thoughts every now and then and my schedule of where I'm exhibiting or showing, and we're kind of getting into that schedule again. It's a lot of uh, when as the spring comes up. I'm SwitcherMark on Twitter, and... Gosh, I don't know what I am on Flickr. Am I, yeah, I'm Switcher Mark on Flickr, too. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be linked in the show notes anyway. Thank you. 
And finally, Antonio. Yeah, you can find me in all sorts of places, uh, mainly from switch2manual.com. And uh, that's where we do our workshops and uh, photo walks in, in the New York City, Brooklyn area. You can find me on Twitter at also switch Two manual, the number two manual, and my regular uh, Twitter is AM Rosario, which is also my Flickr uh, name. And you can go to my website, which is also amrosario.com. That's where I post most of my photography work for myself. And um, I really appreciate the subject today, Bart. It was really, uh, it's a very good uh, discussion to get out, especially this time of year. Well, I think you can thank Mark for that because it was Mark's idea. Thank you, Mark, for this. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> it was. It was my. It was. I was being very selfish. I needed the help. Thanks for the therapy session, guys. <laughs> <laughs> my bill is in the mail. I, I'm sure it is. <laughs> anyway, I've been your host, Bart Bouchard. So you can find me at bartb.ie. And until next time, happy snapping. great podcast in the stoplight network are you a movie fan a film fan well check out the international film club podcast right here on the spotlight network tim chatton and alex barker dive into a different movie every time ranging from classics to some of the newer stuff and sometimes some obscure stuff that you actually might enjoy so check out the international film club podcast right here on the spotlight network